You've all had the privilege of witnessing these parents dedicating their children to the Lord. In the Old Testament, we also have a witness to Hannah as she dedicated Samuel to the Lord. The dedication that we entered into this morning is very much a biblical example. It is true of how we are to rear our children, and certainly Hannah is a wonderful example of the uh, dedication vows. And this morning, I just want to unpack the very first vow that these parents entered into. The question was this, inasmuch as God has given you this child, do you consecrate your child to God in his service? And you publicly acknowledge that in so doing, you're submitting yourselves to God's will for this child, whatever it may involve. Hannah is a supreme example of one who fulfills the three elements that are contained in that particular vow. Turn with me, if you're not there, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And the first thing we're going to note is the motivation or reason for dedicating a child to the Lord. The motivation or reason for dedicating a child to the Lord. The dedicatory vow says, inasmuch as God has given you this child. The reason we are to dedicate our children to the Lord is because God has given them to us. He has entrusted these precious gifts to us. Hannah was motivated as a result of the very truth that God had given Samuel to her. Samuel, excuse me, Hannah had been very unhappy because she did not have a child. That's found in the first eight verses. She had been barren. Her life was miserable. Every time she went up to the temple, her sister wife gave her grief and uh, made her very uncomfortable as a result of Hannah's barrenness. So as a result, Hannah prayed for a child. If you look at verse 10 of chapter 1, it says she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. So she came before the Lord, bringing her concern, bringing her anguish, bringing her tears, and the fact that she was barren, could not have a child. In verse 11, it says, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. Hannah was told that God would indeed answer Hannah's prayer. Verse 17 Then Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And so the child was born, verse 20. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. Hannah gladly proclaimed that her child was a gift from God, for notice she names him Samuel, verse 20. And it came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son 
And she named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Samuel means asked of the Lord. Every time she said the name Samuel, it was a reminder to her, it was a reminder to Elkanah, it was a reminder to Samuel himself that he was the product of prayer, that he was a gift of God, a gift of God. And as a result, Hannah expressly states that she dedicates Samuel to the Lord because the Lord has given Samuel to her. Verse 28, therefore, therefore, because God had granted my petition, therefore I have lent him to the Lord. And yes, so I have also dedicated him to the Lord. Consecrate, set apart, dedicate, given to the Lord. Hannah was motivated to offer praise and consecrate this child because this child was given to her by the Lord. Now that's pretty dramatic. She had been barren for many years, praying for a child, not able to have a child, and then God wonderfully grants her this petition and she's able to give birth. Well, there may be some people in our congregation that have had difficulties conceiving. A number of ladies have had miscarriages, have all kinds of different uh, struggles, and now you've been able to have a child, and that child seems like a very, very special and precious gift because you've wanted it or desired it for so long, and you went through such difficulty in order to be able to actually uh, carry a child to term. But you know, whether you conceived with great difficulty or you conceived very easily, the truth of the matter still is that our children are a gift of God and should never be taken granted. It's kind of like, you know, when uh, we're in an automobile accident and our life is spared, we think about God's wonderful grace and goodness to us because we see him work in a demonstrable way. But the truth of the reality is, every time we get into a car and arrive safely at our destination, God has blessed us. God has watched over us. And so the very first thing we need to understand this morning is that if you have a child, God has richly blessed you. Our call to worship this morning was Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. So dedication begins first in recognizing the grace and goodness of God in entrusting us with a child. Secondly, we also see in Hannah the fulfillment of the second element in that first dedication vow, and that is she consecrated her child to God and his service. Notice the words of the vow once again. 
Inasmuch as God has given you this child, now these words, you consecrate your child to God and his service. Hannah consecrated Samuel to God and to his service. So what did that look like? How did she consecrate her child in a tangible way? Well, first, it meant that she cared for her child. Verse 21. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and obey his vows. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, as soon as the child weaned, I will bring him. She was going to bring him to the house of the Lord where he was going to serve and live the rest of his life. But at this point, he needed to be nourished. He needed to be nursed. He needed to be cared for. He was but an infant. And so she cared for Samuel. She brought him up. She reared him. The first way that we consecrate our children to the Lord is by caring for them under the auspices of Almighty God. Recognizing that God has entrusted them to our care. And when we realize that, caring for children isn't a nuisance. Caring for children isn't a bother. But caring for children is an honor. It's a privilege. You know, I sometimes wince when you hear young couples that have very small babies and they talk about, you know, the pooping and the changing of the diapers and all those things which are very reality to it, but there's so much more to caring for a child than just changing diapers. And so consecrating our children to the Lord is serving them and serving the Lord at the same time. Recognizing this as a duty. It means that Hannah fulfilled her vow. Notice verse 23. Elkanah said, her husband said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. That is, may this vow fully come to pass. Elkanah was concerned that it was going to be hard for Hannah to relinquish this child to the Lord. She wanted this child so badly, she had prayed for this child. He wanted to make sure she wasn't just stalling, as she wasn't willing to go up that year to offer the sacrifice to God. So he understands, and he says, that's fine, but just be sure that you honor your vow to the Lord. We consecrate our children to the Lord by honoring these vows that we make. This isn't just some kind of ritual. This isn't just some kind of form. This isn't just some kind of spiritual activity that we enter into. But it's a real basis of how we understand that we're going to rear our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so she entered into a formal act of dedication. Notice verse 24. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with 
a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he asked, so I have dedicated him to the Lord. So there's this formal act of dedication that she has before Eli. But this formal act of dedication meant that it had lasting significance. She continued consecrating Samuel to the Lord throughout the entirety of his life. Notice verse 28. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord, now these words, as long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. Now I'm dedicating him to the Lord. As long as he lives, I am dedicating him to the Lord. Dedication is significant. For it takes place in a moment in time in which parents make a conscious decision that we are going to rear our children in a certain fashion. And we want God's blessing to rest upon them. But that one-time decision has a lifelong significance. For it means that we have to dedicate them daily in a very real and practical way. It means we can't forget about those vows. But we need to continue on. We need to persevere. We need to follow through. And so, She continued on. She continued on. Fourthly, it meant that Hannah was willing to part with Samuel. Notice verse 20. Uh, Let's go back to verse uh, 18. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with linen ephod. And his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. So Hannah got to see this child that she had so desperately prayed for and longed for once a year. Once a year. She looked forward to seeing this child. She continued to provide for him. She made an ephod for him, probably delighted in doing so but it meant that she had to be willing to part with Samuel. Notice verse 20, Then Eli would bless Elkanah his wife and say, May the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked of the Lord. So when they would return to their home, indeed the Lord visited Hannah. She conceived and bore three sons and two daughters, and the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. She had other children, all of them, dedicated to the Lord, all of them consecrated. Not all of them lived in the temple, to be sure. Not all of them served in the way that Samuel did. So what does consecrating a child to the Lord and his service look like for us? It means that we care for our children. It includes bringing our children 
to the Lord's house. The second thou that these parents entered into was this. Will you be responsible to bring this child regularly to the house of God and teach your child reverence to the Lord and respect for his house and worship? See, true dedication isn't you show up one Sunday, a prayer is made, and then you never darken the church doors again. That's not what dedicating children to the Lord looks like. It means bringing the children regularly to the house of the Lord and teaching them reverence, and respect for God's house and for worship. Now, I want you to think with me for a moment how that is no small thing in the life of Hannah. For Hannah went to the house of the Lord regularly, despite the fact that Hophni and Phinehas were there. Look with me at verse 3. 1 Samuel 1, verse 3. Now this man, that's Elkanah, used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Silo, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. Now that almost sounds like an aside. Like, well, well, so what? Who cares that Hophni and Phinehas were there? What's that got to do with anything? Well, it's got a lot to do with things. Turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 22. Now, Eli was very old, and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And he said to them, Why do you do such a thing? For I hear of your evil doings from all these people. No, my sons, it is no good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. These individuals were quite the rascals. They were very, very bad individuals. In fact, we find out that the Word of God tells us that people hated going to the Lord's house because Hophni and Phinehas were there. Hated to go to the Lord's house. But she went regularly to the Lord's house despite the fact that Hophni and Phinehas were there. Hannah went regularly to the house of the Lord despite the difficulty that Peniah gave her. Verses 4 through 8. It's when she went to the house of the Lord that Paniah was giving her hardship and difficulty about the fact that she had no child. And yet, she continued to go to the Lord's house. Hannah went to the house of the Lord despite the insult that she received from Eli. Look with me at verse 9. First Samuel 1, 9. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. 
And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. And she continued praying before the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord. I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Here she is. Here's the state that Israel was in. She is gathered at worship, praying. Her lips are moving. Nothing is coming out. She's not praying audibly. She's praying silently, but she's mouthing the words that she prays. Eli, the priest, looks at her and assumes that she's drunk. Now, how would you like to be falsely accused? You're already in a bad mood. Your, your sister wife has been giving you grief about going to the offer sacrifice and going to worship. You're already upset because you have no child. And you're emotionally distraught. And then all of a sudden the priest comes up to you and says, Be quiet. What's wrong with you? Why are you drunk? Then compound that. Just remember the priest's kids are real rascals. And the priest never confronts his own kids about their wrongdoing, 1 Samuel chapter 3. And now this priest is giving her a hard time. Could she have found excuses for not going to worship? Could she have found reason to stay home? Could she have demeaned the priest and worship? Could she have said, it's full of hypocrites? Could she have said, I don't get anything out of it? Could she have said, well, I'm offended. Look how I've been falsely accused. And yet this Hannah taught Samuel to respect Eli and to serve the temple. She entrusts her son to that priest. And he serves in that worship all his life. We need to be careful about excuses that we come up with that justify our failure to worship God or to respect his house and worship. Hannah showed that respect. It means a willingness to part with our children if need be. It means that our greatest concern for our children is that they serve the Lord. We said whatever it is that God would have them 
to do. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are a pastor or a missionary or, quote, a full-time Christian servant, but it may. It may. It may mean that they live next door. Or it may mean that they live halfway around the world. It may mean you get to see them every Sunday dinner. Or it may mean you see them about once every three years. Thankfully, in this day and age in which we live, we have Skype. We have all ways of communication. It's not nearly the challenge as it once was. But the point is, we rejoice in their serving the Lord however it is that God chooses to use them. Whatever it is. That means we don't force them into, quote, full-time Christian service, for there's many, many ways that you serve the Lord apart from full-time Christian service. It also means we don't dissuade them from it. Because they won't make enough money or some other reason that it is. But it's simply saying that whatever God's will is for this child, that's what I want. That's what I want. Takes a lot of wisdom. That means we try not to make our children be what we want them to be. But we encourage our children to be what God wants them to be. That means recognizing their gifts, their talents, their interests, their desires, their capabilities, the will of God for their lives. Lastly, Hannah, in consecrating her child to God in his service, submitted herself to God's will for the child. For notice it says, you are submitting yourself to God's will for this child, whatever it may involve. This was not as easy as it sounds. She submitted herself to God's will regarding her child from the very beginning, verse 22. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. And our text tells us that she did that when the child was very young. She gave him over to the Lord. Hannah submitted herself to the Lord after the act of dedication. Notice 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. The ESV says, And Hannah prayed. The NES says, Then Hannah prayed. The prayer comes immediately upon the heels of verse 22 so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. As she brings this child to Eli this time, for the child to stay there, she says, I am presenting him to the Lord forever. And having said that, she enters into this prayer, which is chapter 2. Quickly note some of the aspects of this prayer. First, she expresses gratitude for what the Lord has done for her. Verse 1, 
Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. So she thanks God for what he has done in giving her this child. She praises God for he alone is God. Verse 2, There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. She praises God that he is both able to exalt and to humble. God had exalted Hannah and had humbled Paniah, her adversary. Look verse 3. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. She speaks of the strength and the ability that God gave to her. Hannah submits to God's sovereign will, whatever it may involve. Look at verse 6. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and rises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low. He exalts. Who knows what God's will is for our children? Who knows? But God is sovereign. And we worship God when they live to a ripe old age. And we worship God when they die in their youth. For God is worthy to be praised. Even as Job said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Dedication rejoices when they're wealthy and have a fantastic job. Dedication rejoices when they're struggling and they can't find employment. God does not change. God is not holy or faithful one day and unholy and faithless the next. Submitting ourselves to the will of God for whatever that means for our children is the ultimate act of dedication. God, they're yours. And there is no one greater than to entrust your child to than the loving, gracious will of our sovereign God. So this morning, if you've dedicated children to the Lord, may this be a reminder. May this just be one more time in which you're dedicating yourselves your children, to fulfill, complete the will of God. If you have godly parents, if you have a godly mother, be sure to thank them. And be sure to thank our Heavenly Father 
For what a blessing it is to be reared in a home where God's name is honored, his law is is followed, his will is sought. May we rejoice this day and as a congregation, may we just look around. Look at all the children in this church. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know if this is going to work. I get these brainstorms, and sometimes there's, there's more lightning and wind than product, but uh, if you're 12 and under, would you just walk to the, an aisle quickly? 12 and under, up and walk to this aisle, this aisle, or this aisle. Would you do that? Would you just, 12 and under, would you walk to the... Can you do that? Yeah, some are going to have to be carried. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, come down front. That's even better. Sure. Come on down front. No point in being bashful. Yeah. Your mother's got to do that, didn't they? Look at all the children we have. May we pray for these children. As their parents have dedicated them to the Lord, may we come alongside and encourage them, help them as they memorize the scripture, listen to embark verses, all those kind of things, instruct them, teach them in Sunday school. May we be a church that is concerned about the next generation, that they would love and serve the Lord, and they in turn would have children that love and serve the Lord as well. Okay? Let's close in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for these children. We thank you for their their mothers. We pray, O Lord, once again, that you would be exalted in the lives of our mothers. Help them as they discharge such a, a weighty, difficult responsibility. Help them as they bring their children faithfully to the house of God. May we encourage, may we help, may we reinforce, may the people of God provide a community, a family that is going to care for and help uh, minister to these children and others. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You can go back and sit down again. Pastor.